Welcome to the Point Church Teaching Podcast. I'm Corey Ickes, one of the pastors here at Point Church in Fort Liberty. We seek to exalt Jesus and equip the saints through expositional preaching and teaching. I hope you're encouraged and uplifted from this week's teaching. God is good. Y'all are about ready. All right, God is good. All the time. All right, folks, that's true. We don't think so, and we don't feel like it, and the circumstances don't dictate it. God is still good all the time. He's worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen. And thank you, Barry and Chris and Janiah, for leading in worship. We appreciate that. I'm trying to get my little clicker to work here. Might have to get me started. There's one. We're going to be talking about gospel conversations today, how to engage people in gospel conversations. We've been talking about and worshiping Jesus. We're going to talk about how to share Jesus today, how to engage people uh, in our culture. And uh, it's amazing the opportunities that we have and how fun that it really is. I'm trying to I'm not sure why it's not reaching there, but uh, it was working earlier. There you go. My website is martydupree.org. There's all kinds of resources on there, like how to pray for your children, how to have a quiet time, preparing for personal revival, evangelism, crash course. There's lots of information there. Uh, There's a picture of my family. I have five children and four grandchildren and one on the way, and having five children will increase your prayer life. Amen? Some of y'all know that. Having one daughter will increase your prayer life. Um, try to tell you real quick, that's my, my grandchildren. Let me uh, go back. My wife, Angela, go back real quickly and tell you who my kids are, but you can't really see. Harper on the left, she's 19. Courtney holding the baby. Jay, that's her baby. And behind her is uh, Al, her husband. Uh, Courtney, I guess, is 30. And then the guy in the back holding the baby with the girl in the front, that is my oldest son, Weeder. He was in the Army, and that little girl in the very front, in front of the two graduates, is Adeline. She was born at Tripler Hospital uh, in um, Hawaii. Some of y'all, any of y'all served in Hawaii? My son was in Hawaii his last three years in the Army. So um, that, and my middle son is the graduate, Dawson. His fiance um, is Lane. Uh, my wife, Angela. And then Darcy, she's a nurse at Duke, and her husband, Taylor. That little boy, JT, is my grandson, but he doesn't belong to them. He belongs to uh, Weider and Logan. They have three, our oldest son. And my wife, Angela, and I, we met in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, at a missions conference with 22,000 students and then discovered that we were neighbors in Chapel Hill, lived five houses from each other. So um, God had a plan for us and all of that. So that was good. And I'll get a little bit closer. I'm not sure why this is not wanting to work. But anyway, think about who's, I want to get, ask you a question here. Who's that person in your life that you need to reach out to, that you need to invite to church, that you need to be praying for, need to share your testimony with? Just be thinking about that and we'll, we'll touch on that. Um, Keep going. I'm not sure why it's not working. It was working earlier. Well, I tell you what, click pretty quick. I'll just tell you when to click and just go quick and I'll go back. Hopefully, we got it order. Uh, I want to jump in. I want to tell you, hit, hit it one more time. This is Chloe. I, I wish this was working because I like to go really fast. Hit it again. There you go. Story. I'm going to leave that up. Go one more time. Go one more time. I can't go back and forth as much. I, all right, just go back to the story. Leave those questions up. All right, I want to tell you. Um, Back a couple years ago, I met three different young people from California, Wendy, Jason, and Kevin. You've got an outline, too. That'll help you. Wendy, Jason, and Kevin. I asked all three of them a question I like to ask people to get into a spiritual conversation. So do you have any particular spiritual beliefs? And all three of them, to, to a person, basically said to me, uh, no, sir, I don't have any particular beliefs, but I believe there's something out there. I believe there's something out there. 
Folks, that's the world we live in today. People aren't really sure about God or if there is a God. They're not really sure about the Bible. They've never read it. They've never been to church. Uh, but they know there's something out there. And the reason that's true is the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God has set eternity in the heart of every human being. So every human being, by the design of God, knows there's something out there because God created us to be able to connect with Him and to seek after Him and try to find Him. Now, man's way of doing that, we call that religion, but God's way of reaching us is through relationship, and He does that. So hit it one more time. And this, this story, uh, these four questions... How did it all begin? What went wrong? Is there any hope? What's the future hold? And uh, hit it one more time. And we'll uh, see that the answer to that is creation, the fall of man, the rescue of Jesus, and the restoration. I'm going to use this tool. And Josh said y'all are going to be talking about it a lot more. Hit it again, if you will, Chloe. You're going to have to stay with me. just. To, all right, leave that up for just a minute. I love this question. And the reason I like this question is it doesn't back people in a corner necessarily. If you've all ever tried to share your faith with somebody, you'd be talking about whatever, the weather, the ball game, and all of a sudden you start talking about something spiritual, they tend to freeze up and they tend to back up. It's kind of like they're waiting for you to preach to them. But when they realize you really are trying to engage them in a conversation, and it's a two-way thing, not a one-way thing, they tend to open up and they tend to want to talk. But you don't just start off by walking up to people and saying, hey, can I tell you I'm going to become a Christian? Or, hey, do you have any particular spiritual beliefs? Uh, that's kind of awkward. And people always ask me, you know, what's your secret sauce? Well, my secret sauce is, where are you from and what's your name? <laughs> uh, I just have a normal conversation, and it's amazing. My wife and I went camping this weekend, or at least Thursday and Friday night, and uh, the people beside us are very outdoorsy people, uh, guys, a fishing guide. Uh, they're from Florida. And we got to talking and got into a spiritual conversation. And he made this comment to me. He said, we've traveled from Maine and we're on our way back to Florida. And we're, you know, traveling a couple hours and spend the night or two at a campground. And they're working their way back. And he said, we've been looking for this conversation. We've been looking for this conversation. And so people are interested in talking about Jesus. They're interested in talking about the Bible. They're just not necessarily coming to church to do that. And so, just keep that in mind. Now, let me tell you these uh, three stories. I want to teach you something called the three-story method. You listen to their story so that you can tell them your story so that you can tell them his story. All right, say it with me because I want you to have that. Say their story, my story, and his story. All right, that's what I want you to keep in mind. Wendy, Jason, and Kevin, three different people from California. I'm going to try to tell these stories really pretty quickly, and then we'll, we'll move on. Um, got on an airplane flying back from uh, Dallas, Texas, been at a missions conference. My work uh, teammate, uh, Guillermo Soriano, he's across the aisle. This lady comes walking down. She sits down at the window. There's a seat between us. We start talking. Wendy, where are you from? California. Where do you go to school? San Jose State University. What are you majoring in? Um, English and political science. What bling, bling, uh, brings you to North Carolina? Going to a conference in Chapel Hill. Now, obviously, we didn't talk that fast. I'm just kind of giving you the backstory. We just kind of asked the very next obvious question. So then I said, well, Wendy, I said, do you have any particular spiritual beliefs? And she said, no, sir, I really don't, but I, I think there's something out there. I mean, I think there might be a God. I said, well, let me show you something. And I showed her the little story, and I asked her those four questions that you saw. Where did we come from? What went wrong? Is there any hope? What's the future? Have you ever thought about that? She said, oh, yeah, I've thought about that. And then I said, well, take a look at this little booklet. And by the way, I put some of those out there. It's called The Story. And it's like a booklet. It's a phone app. It's really got a lot of access to it. But anyway, she started reading it. 
And she finished reading it, and I said, what did you think? She said, well, that's a, a good uh, summary, overview of the Bible, which is really funny because my next question was, have you ever read the Bible? Oh, no, sir, I've never read the Bible. And I'm like, okay, well, would you like to have one? And she kind of looked at me funny, but here's a teaching point. When you travel, take a Bible with you you can give away. Uh, put it in the saddlebags of your motorcycle, your horse, your bicycle, your laptop bag, your back sack, your rucksack, whatever it is you got. Carry a Bible with you that you can give away. So being that she's never read the Bible, I kind of took a secular approach and just kind of explained the Bible's laid out. You have the Old Testament, New Testament, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, you know, the writings of Paul. And I said, when you start reading the Bible, if you want to know what Christianity is about and how Christians are really supposed to act, and by the way, people really do wonder about that, um, just start in one of the Gospels and read straight through the New Testament. She took the Bible, she starts reading, and we're landing in Raleigh-Durham about two hours later, and she's in chapter 19 of Matthew, and I said, wow, have you read 19 chapters? She goes, yeah, remember, I'm an English major. I'm like, well, I don't read that fast, but what did you make of it? And she said, well, the Bible gives a great backstory to the overview story that you gave me. And folks, what I want you to get out of that story is when you're having conversation with people, get them to read the Bible for themselves. Because what you and I say might be inspirational, but it's not necessarily inspired by God. But God's word is inspired by God and has the ability to transform lives and change hearts for eternity. Amen? And so Wendy said, yeah, I need to read this and I need to read it for myself. And we had a good chat. That was on July the 29th. August the 4th, a couple weeks later, we go on vacation down to Oak Island. And we check in, we get our house, and find out the air condition is not working. Now, most of y'all, have you been in the South? We are addicted to air conditioning. I'm just telling you, even at the beach. And it wasn't working, so we called. They sent out a guy. His name uh, was Jason. And we began to talk. Jason's 21. And I said, Jason, what brings you to North Carolina? And he said, well, because he told me he was from California. So my mom moved out here. I came to visit. There's a lot of HVAC work. And I decided I liked it, and I stayed. I said, well, good. And we chatted for a while. And I said, and he caught the house on fire. He started welding a copper pipe to fix a leak or something, and the house caught on fire, the underpinning. And he goes, man, would you call the fire department? I'm like, dude, you call the fire department. But he got it all put out, but we had to evacuate. It was kind of crazy, but it added to the, the greatness of the story. So then I got to ask him, I said, so Jason, do you have any particular spiritual beliefs? And he goes, pointed at me, I can't believe you asked me that. I said, why's that? He said, I got a lot of questions. He said, I think there's something out there, but I, I really don't know, but I, I got a lot of questions. And he started asking me questions for like an hour. And then, uh, so I go to the beach. One of the things I said to him is I talked to him about the overview of the Bible. I said, the Bible is like one big story. You've got the creation of God. You've got the fall of man. Adam and Eve, they sinned. They messed up. The world's all screwed up. He said, yeah, I know, I know. And he, I said, but the hope is that God sent Jesus to be a rescuer to fix that. He's like the, the spiritual superhero in some ways. He goes, well, good. And I said, but... The good news about that is there can be a happily ever after. I mean, all children's stories are set up. How do they go? Once upon a time. Well, how does the Bible start in creation? God, in the beginning, once upon a time, God created the heavens and the earth. And how do children's stories end? And they all lived. Well, folks, the truth and the hope and the good news that we have to be able to share with other people that there is a potential happily ever after for you and I because we can be reconciled and made right with the holy God. And also the Bible says there's going to be a do-over. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. And so there is a happily ever after in there. And people are desperate for that. They want that. We're built for that. We like it when the movies end with a happily ever after. 
You've seen movies, and more and more movies now don't end with the happily ever after. They end with our present reality. But we like it when the father and son make up. We like it when the husband and wife kiss at the end and the sun goes down. We like it when it all works out and the good guy wins at the end, you know? We're built for that. And the good news is the Bible is made up that way, too. It's actually one big story. And so I kind of explained all that to um, Jason, and he goes, man, that makes so much sense. Nobody's ever told me that. So we go to the beach, come back a couple hours later, and he's finishing up his work. And I said, hey, Jason, we're going to eat supper. Why don't you come eat with us? Man, I would love to, but I got another appointment. But can I ask you another question? And he would ask me a question and shake my hand, thank me, step back, and then ask me, can I ask you another question? And folks, here's the deal. When you find somebody in their 20s and they figure out you're safe to talk to, it's okay, you're not going to beat them up, you're not going to tell them how bad they are, you're not going to tell them where they're going to go if they don't straighten out. You just tell them about the love of God. You can share the whole gospel with them. Because they want to know it, but it needs to be in conversation. So I asked him you know, about the Bible, and he said he thought he might could find one or he might have one. I encouraged him to read it. I gave him a Jesus video. I prayed for him. I answered a lot more of his questions, and then he took off. Well, that was on August 4th. August 10th, we're home. I'm pulling in my driveway. Now there's a car in the driveway with a California tag. And I'm like, what is up with all these California guys? And um, my son reminded me that wasn't the only one. We went to a bait and tackle shop, and... The owner was a retired military guy, and his name was Paul, and the guy working for him uh, was, was another biblical name, and I can't remember, but he told me, he said, I'm going to turn into Saul if you don't do your job. <laughs> so that was kind of funny, but anyway, guy gets out of the car. What's your name? Kevin. His name was Kevin. I said, Kevin? I said, what brings you to North Carolina? He said, well, I'm selling books with Southwestern Books, and I've been in the Garner area. That's kind of where I live. I live halfway between... Raleigh and Fuquay, we have a Garner, we kind of consider the Garner area. He said, I've been in the Garner area all summer long for 13 weeks, and today is my last day of sales. And I thought, hmm, this is the divine appointment. You're in my driveway on your last day of sales. This is not by accident. I said, well, Kevin, tell me about yourself. Where are you from in California? He said, well, I go to San Diego State University. What are you majoring in? Aerospace engineering. I thought, oh boy, I got me a rocket scientist this time. This is going to be interesting. So when I ask him, so do you have any particular spiritual beliefs? He goes, I'm not sure that I believe anything. There might be something out there, but I'm, I'm not really sure about that. And he quickly changed the subject. So what do you do? I said, well, I'm a church consultant. I work with churches and, and so forth. And he goes, well, like, what do you do? And I was like, well, I coach pastors and consult churches and I help resource churches. And when I said the word resource, he goes, like, what kind of resources? And I had an Avanja cube. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like a little Rubik's cube that opens up and basically gives a gospel presentation in a Rubik's Cube. And I showed it to him. He seemed mildly interested. And I said, hey, I know you want to talk about your books. My wife's not going to be back for an hour. Why don't you come back in about an hour? He said, okay, I'll catch your neighbors. I'll come back. About quarter to five, he comes back. We talk another 30, 40 minutes. I said, hey, Kevin, why don't you just come eat supper with us? He goes, I'm not supposed to do that, but what time? And, he said, and I said, quarter to seven. He said, all right, I'll be back. He sat down, several of my family was there. He talked one straight hour. You'd think I'm talking if he did not stop talking. He was hilarious. He talked about going door to door selling books for Southwestern books and people holding guns to him and dogs chasing him and climbing over the fence and ripping his pants and people slamming doors. And, and then he says, and a lot of people in Garner know you. I'm like, oh, how would you know that? You know, that's disconcerting. You invite a stranger in and then they tell you, everybody knows you. I said, well, how do you know that? And he said, well, every house we go to, the last question we ask is, do you know anybody with a lot of school-age kids? And he said, your name came up a lot. 
And um, this was a few years ago, and I said, well, I've been coaching baseball for 25 years, and at that time I'd been coaching for like 16 or 17 years in Garner. And so, oh, yeah, a lot of people know us. And he said, well, I said, Kevin, we had a lot of spiritual conversation this afternoon. What did you make of that? He said, well, that reminds me, I've got a lot of questions to ask you. And man, a little before 8 o'clock, he started in, and for one solid hour, he's asking questions. And I mean, I'm the evangelist, and I'm like, don't you have another appointment? I mean, I was worn out. Uh, but he figured out he could talk to me. And here's what he said to me. He said, I've actually never taken spiritual things serious, and I've never actually really read the Bible. But when you explain the Bible as one whole story of the creation, the fall, the rescue, and the restoration, he said, I see that. I understand that. That makes sense. And see, folks, the way that we've done evangelism and shared the gospel, much of our history, especially if you're kind of 40 or over, is that we've assumed everybody believes in God, and we've assumed that they kind of heard about Jesus. Folks, we can't assume that anymore. We're going to look at this in Scripture in just a minute, the difference between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 17. We'll see that in just a minute. I hit the next slide, if you don't mind, and we'll see what we got here. God has set eternity in the heart of every man. Hit it again, if you will. Keep going. I want you to see that for just a minute. Let me finish up my story about uh, Kevin. I said, Kevin, I said, man, you've asked a lot of questions. They're good questions. I said, my best advice to you is read the Bible for yourself. He said, I think for the first time in my life, I'm convinced I need to. And then he says to me, he said, you remember that Rubik's Cube gospel thing you showed me? I said, yeah. Then he kind of revealed his hand. He said, my roommate goes to Moody Bible Institute. We've been having this conversation all summer long. And here's what, I can't, my Bible falls off of that. That's why I got me a chair. It's too slanted. Here's the thing. If this is the cross and this is, or if this is Jesus and we're trying to move people towards the cross of Christ, sometimes you're sowing, sometimes you're cultivating questions, answers, you're answering questions, sometimes you're harvesting. But a lot of times our focus has been on trying to get people saved in church, baptized or whatever. The reality is we got to sow the seeds. We got to be sowing, cultivating and harvesting as we move people towards that relationship with Christ. And so God has been working in Kevin's life. He wasn't really fully revealing his hand. And he said, can I get one of those cubes from my roommate? I said, I'll give you one too. And he said, okay. But I, I tell you that to say, there's people all around us that want to talk about Jesus, want to talk about the Bible. They're interested, but they don't want to be preached to. They don't want to be put down. We already know we're messed up. We already know we're broken. And so that's helpful. Now, I want you to look at this real quick. What's your, uh, the screen, the, uh, go back to, the, there you go. Look at all those surveys. Notice the box that's checked is none. James Emery White in a church in Charlotte, Mecklenburg community, wrote a book called The Rise of the Nuns. It's N-O-N-E, nun, not a Catholic nun. That means they don't have any particular religious preference. And that is the fastest growing religious grouping in America right now. In all of North America, really, is people that check none. Go to the next slide. In some ways, you would think it's a crisis that demands our attention, but not really. It's really an opportunity. Go back, if you will, to the, to the survey. Uh, the, the reality is they're not invested in anything. So you don't have to undo them from something. They're not invested in anything. They just don't know for sure. And they want to talk and they want to have conversations. All right, now click on through just a couple of times and I'll, I'll um, keep, keep clicking, click, click again, click again, click again. All right, hold it right there. Um, what it said before this is about a third of America is in that category of nuns. And that's really true. But here's the deal. People really aren't searching for religion. They're looking for relationship. And when you get the wording right, they'll tell you that. 
uh, religion is man's way of trying to organize and relate to God. Have any of y'all ever been to the state fair in North Carolina? It was just on this past two weeks. State fair in Raleigh, it's a big deal. Some of y'all been there. We go every year, pretty much do the same things. My wife gets ice cream. I get a death dog, which is like a sausage dog with all the stuff on. So we're sitting behind this little place at a picnic, and this guy comes up one time, and he's got like perfect Jesus hair. He's in a three-piece suit, got a handkerchief. His, it turns out his wife, she's really dressed up. They sit down at a little picnic table, and I started to talk to him. I said, where are you from? And he had an accent. Uh, I said, oh, you sound like you might be from uh, England somewhere. And he goes, I am. I'm from Great Britain. And I said, what's your name? Colin. I said, well, Colin, you don't sound like you're from London. He goes, that's very good. I'm from Wales. And um, with an accent. And so we started talking. The dad sits down. He's retired military. Chemical warfare guy. Just stares at me like the whole time never says a word. And so I engaged him in conversation. And I said, well, how did y'all meet? Because the girl's from Sanford, just right up the road. And, um, I, and they're really dressed up. So me being master of the obvious said to them, my, you're really dressed up. What is the occasion? I thought they were entertainers or something like that. And he goes, we just got married. I said, really? Where'd you get married? He said, in Sanford. And I said, and you drove up US-1 to the state fair? Yes. And I said, then I just interviewed him. This is kind of how I do gospel conversations. I said, so how did you meet? He said, at university. I said, what university did you go to? Sheffield University. What'd you major in? Um, philosophy. I said, who's your favorite philosopher? He said, Immanuel Kant. I'm like, ooh, that's like a German atheist. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, I just kept asking questions. And my wife sat down and I said, well, let me ask you something. Do you ever think about spiritual things? Oh, yes, all the time, all the time. And uh, he said, um, he said, I believe in God, uh, but I don't believe in organized religion. And he looked at his brand new wife and he goes, what do you think about that? I'm like, dude, that's a little late for that question. And you should know this. And she's a little more indignant. She goes, I believe in God too, but I don't believe in organized religion. Well, I just started laughing. And by the way, anytime you're laughing, you can tell people anything you want to while you're laughing. Amen? I call it the Mary Poppins method. With a little sugar, the medicine goes down. So lighten it up. You know, just keep it light. And I started laughing. I said, well, I'm a church consultant. I don't believe in organized religion either. Religion is man's way of trying to organize or relate to God. I said, but God's way of relating to us is through relationship. I could tell that that hit their intent a little bit. I said, let me show you something. So I go to my phone and I pulled out the story app, which you saw those four questions. And I showed them the four questions. Where we come from? What went wrong? Is there any hope? What's future hope? I said, you ever think about that? Oh, yes, all the time, all the time. And um, and so I said, well, let me show you the app. And I showed them the creation, the fall, the rescue, restoration. I said, it's a six-minute video. It's in 22 languages. I'll send it to you if you don't mind me having your email. She said, well, you set it up, hand it to me with email, and I'll type it in. She typed in her email and sent it to herself. My whole point in telling you this is people aren't really looking for religion. They're looking for relationship. Amen? Hit the next one, if you will, Corey. Thank you. Now, see this scale, zero to ten? Zero is no relationship. Ten is a born-again believer follower of Christ. Now hit it again. One more time. See the three and the eight? Hit it one more time. Many, many people in our culture today and many people in America and many people in North Carolina. I grew up in North Carolina. I've lived in New England, been a few other places. But um, when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, everybody in town was an eight. I mean, no matter what you did, everybody believed in God. And you could have a Crusade, you could have a revival and everybody in town would show up. People weren't afraid of the church. Even the town drunk would show up. He knows people talking about him. He knows people are praying for him. And he's an eight. He believes in God too, but he just has never surrendered to Jesus. 
And that's the culture that we've had. But more of the culture today is a lot more like zero to three. Now hit it one more time and it'll put up the, and we're going to see this in a minute. In Acts 2, what I want you to understand there, Peter, the evangelist, gets up. It's Pentecost and he preaches and 3,000 people get saved. He starts with Jesus, he preaches Jesus, he ends with Jesus, and people get saved. But the other side of it, you go to Acts 17, Paul takes a missionary approach, which is much more like our culture today, and he's walking around and sees, hey, they got a sign that says, you know, the unknown God. Well, he doesn't know who, you know, people don't know who God is, and it's different. Now, I want to leave this up, but I want to tell you what our culture right here in this area is like, in Harnett County, in Wake County. You got parents who are eights and you got kids who are threes. And what I mean by that is you've got parents who have a church background, but they've never really taken their kids to church. Story. So I'm at Cookout in Fuquay, and we've just come off the baseball field. My daughter's getting ready to go to dance, and I'm waiting for my wife. SUV pulls in, there's a tag, Vermont, and I start staring at them. They're right at the gate. I'm watching for my wife, and they finally get out and sit down. What's well, a couple? Husband and wife, probably in their 40s, teenage kids. Didn't say anything to them. We ate dinner. And then I said, and I, they weren't very far from me, it was about this far away where Jimmy is, and I said, hey, can I ask you something? I said, are y'all from Vermont? And they said, no, not really, we moved here from Vermont. And I said, well, I saw your tag, and they said, yeah, we noticed you were staring at us. And I started laughing, I said, yeah, guilty as charged, I, my wife really loved Vermont. We lived in New England for four years, and we lived in Massachusetts, and I worked in New Hampshire. And so, anyway, that was kind of fun. And, and then I said to him, I said, well, where are you from? And the guy said, well, I'm from Pennsylvania. The girl said, well, I'm from Florida, but I'm originally from France. I said, parlez-vous français? She said, oui, monsieur. I said, je m'appelle Martin Dupre, so say français. She goes, oh, we're very good. And I said, that's all the French I know. And so she started laughing. Anytime you get people laughing, it's good. And I said, well, I don't normally ask this question, but I said, are you all looking for a church home? They lived in the Holly Springs area. The kids, Max and Sean, in ninth grade, 12th grade, go to Holly Springs High School. And the guy said, we're holiday Catholics. I said, oh, like Christers, Christmas and Easter. He said, yeah, something like that. And they started laughing. I said, well, I got to tell you something funny. I said, uh, for 18 years, I worked for the Baptist State Convention, which is where Barry Murray, one of the elders in the church, the original church planner, did. I was the evangelism uh, discipleship guy. And um, my big boss called me the good Catholic boy because I've got five children and I like to eat fish on Fridays. She thought that was funny. And then she just kind of threw this out to me. She said, Shauna has really been searching. Now, let me back up and point out something. The parents are eights. They believe in God. They've heard about Jesus. They don't have a problem with that. But they're, they've never raised their kids in church. So their kids are a zero to three. So she said, Shauna's really been searching. So I looked at Shauna, I said, Shauna, what you been searching for? She said, you know, spiritual things. I said, well, what's something that you're doing? She said, well, I went to a Buddhist temple. Some of us would go, you went to a Buddhist temple? I mean, we just freak out. And I, I didn't do that. I just interviewed her. I just asked the next question. I said, what did you think about it? She said, I don't know. It was kind of weird. It was different. I wasn't really sure what to think. And the parents are kind of leaning in. Our little brother's leaning. I said, let me show you something. So I went to my phone and I pulled up those four questions. You know, where do we come from? What we're wrong? I said, are these the things you're thinking about? She said, oh, yes, sir, that's what I'm kind of thinking about. I said, well, let me show you something. So I went straight to the phone app, and I showed her the creation, the fall, the rescue, the restoration. I said, if you don't mind me having your email, I'll send it to you. You can look at it for yourself, and it's a six-minute video, gives an overview of the Bible. She said, well, you can do that. And I looked at the mom. She said, mm. So here's the deal. You got parents who are eights. You got parent, kids who are threes. And here's what's going on. 
the mom is who's a former Catholic, I guess you would say, is more comfortable with the Baptist guy that she's just met than she is with the Buddhist she doesn't know anything about. And so people are hungry. People are searching. Even parents want their kids to find out the right things and be okay, if you will. Now, we want to look at Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, look at Acts chapter 2. We'll just leave this up for a minute. I want to kind of tell you what's going on here very quickly, and then we're going to spend a little bit more time in Acts 17. In Acts chapter 2, it's Pentecost. It's where the Holy Spirit comes down, and Peter's going to preach to all these people. It's pretty amazing. So, over, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them as tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now notice verse 5. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. They're the eights. They're devout Jews. What do you know about a devout Jew? They believe in God. They're looking for a Messiah. All right, now skip over to verse 14. And Peter begins his sermon. He gets up and he takes a stand. He gives them a little bit of Old Testament background from Joel. Then in verse 22, he addresses his audience. He says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man was delivered over by the predetermined plan and the foreknowledge of God. You nailed him to a cross by the hands of godless man and put him to death. But God raised him up again. Folks, he goes straight to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in his preaching. He gets there really quick. Then flip over to verse 36. This is Acts 2, 36, which is kind of a summary. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified. Man, that's a mouthful right there just in this little short uh, verse. You've made him Lord, Adonai, which is, means God in the flesh, and also Christ, Christos, which means he's the Messiah. So he's told him not only is he God in the flesh, he's the Messiah you're looking for, and whom you crucified. Now there, the Holy Spirit is working. Look at verse 37. It says, when they heard this, they were pierced to their heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Folks, I hope that every one of you all and everybody listening has come to that place where you figured out you've got to respond to Jesus. You've got to do something with Jesus. These folks were under conviction. The Holy Spirit was working. And they asked Peter, what do we do? In verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent, which means to turn away from your sin and come to a right way of thinking, literally. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then it says at the end of verse 43, and there were 3,000 souls added this day. So Peter gets up, he starts with Jesus, preaches Jesus, ends with Jesus, 3,000 people get saved. But they're eights on the scale. They already believe in God and they're looking for a Messiah. Now, I hope that you have thought about what am I going to do with Jesus. We all have got to come to that place. I was 13 years old when I had a conversion to Jesus. Now, turn over to 17, Acts 17. I want you to see in Acts 17 what's going on. It's a whole different approach that Paul takes in Acts 17. Peter was the evangelist, but Paul takes like a missionary approach, which is what we've got to do. We've got to be as believers in our culture 
We've got to be missionaries. We might be speaking English, but we've got to learn how to translate the truth of the gospel. We've got to speak to people in a way that they can understand without offending them that draws them in and draws them to God's word and draws them to the Lord. But you and I don't do that drawing. The Holy Spirit does that. The Bible says in John 6, no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws them to himself. But what will happen is you will find yourselves in situations talking to people where God is drawing that person to himself and you become the instrument, the mouthpiece, the vessel, the speaker, the connection to God. So be aware of that, that God's got a plan for you. Now, Paul goes to Thessalonica. He goes in the temple. He's preaching. They're religious Jews. They kick him out. Then he goes to Berea. It says they were more noble-minded. They wanted to search the scriptures to see if these things were true in verses 10 and 11. Then you get over to uh, verse 16, Acts 17, verse 16, and Paul goes to Athens. Now, I want to I bring us to Athens for just a second here. Have y'all ever been to Washington, D.C.? How many of y'all been to Washington, D.C.? All right, when you go to Washington, D.C., maybe go to the mall, not the shopping mall, but the historic mall, and you've got all the war memorials You've got the Lincoln Memorial, the Jefferson Memorial, the Washington Monument, and then you go see all the war memorials. Man, that's very touching. My dad served in Korea. He was there in 1951, 1952, 1953. My grandfather welded battleships uh, from 1942 to 1945 in the Navy. My dad was in the Air Force. My son was in the Army. So I, I'm, I'm the only person in five generations that didn't actually serve in the Army. I almost went in the Air Force. The Lord led me uh, to Chapel Hill. That's a whole other story, but Nonetheless, um, when you go to Washington, D.C. and you're seeing all these monuments, if you go look at the Vietnam Wall and you start looking for people's names you know, man, that'll make your eyes leak. I mean, I'm just telling you, that's touching. Well, let's take ourselves that same kind of scenario. You're looking at the monuments and all the tombs and all that. Let's go to Athens for just a minute. All right, Paul's in Athens. And he's walking around, and he's looking at the monuments, and he's looking at the tombs, and he's looking at the idols, and he comes up to this monument, or idol, or tomb, and it says, to the unknown God. And Paul's like, okay, there's my, my connection point. There's my starting point. They don't know who God is. And so we got to start with God. We can't start with Jesus. we got to go out to the metanarrative, to the bigger range, and we got to start with God. So I want you to be thinking about that as we look at this passage. And what you're going to see is that Paul is engaging in marketplace evangelism. He's talking to everybody, coming and going, every kind of way. So look at Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him, for he was observing a city full of idols. He was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. He was in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. Verse 18. Also, there were some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers conversing with him. And some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others says, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Well, I'll stop there for a minute. Who we got here? Who we got? You got the religious people, you got the Jews, at the, and you got the Gentiles, you got all the different range of beliefs, and then you got the Epicureans and the Stoic, you got all kinds of different philosophies there. The Epicureans are the be happy people, you know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Pharrell Williams is a music composer, and he's got this fun song called Happy, Happy, Happy. I love that song, makes you want to dance, but it's, it's Epicurean in its idea. And then you got the Stoics. Man, they're just the facts, Jack. Just give us the black and white, the bottom line, explain the, the facts of the matter. What's the point here? The point is he's talking to all kinds of religions. He's talking to all kinds of philosophies. He's talking to all kinds of people. 
But don't miss this because the next thing is the coolest thing in this passage. Paul gets invited to come and tell what it is he really believes. And folks, that's the best scenario you and I can have in a conversation. We've been listening to their story. And so they ask us, so what's your story? And what do you believe? Man, that's the best situation because then you're not inhibited in any way to tell them the truth of the gospel, the truth of what God's done in your life. And I'll give you an illustration of that in a couple moments. Now let's continue. Uh, We're in verse 19. And they took him. Remember, they invited him up to the Areopagus, which we call Mars Hill. It says, they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know this new teaching which you're proclaiming? For you're bringing some strange things to our ears and we want to know what these things mean. Verse 21 says, now that all the Athenians and strangers visiting used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. Verse 22, we call this the Sermon on Mars Hill. This is where Paul gets up to preach. 22, so Paul stood up in the midst of the Areopagus and he said, men of Athens, I observe that you're very religious in all respects. He's connecting with them culturally. Verse 23, for while I was passing through, examining the objects of your worship, I also found this altar with the inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Now, notice what he does here versus what Peter does. He's going to start with the big picture. He's going to start with creation. Peter starts with Jesus and goes right to the resurrection. Paul's going to start with creation and bring them all the way to the resurrection. It's a much bigger picture. It's a holistic uh, approach. Verse 24, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. He made from the one man every nation of mankind, to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. He's an all-sufficient God. Amen? Say that with me. He's an all-sufficient God. You ready? He's an all-sufficient God. What he's saying here, I didn't need any human help. There's no human involvement in creation. I did that. I spoke it into being. And it wasn't done by the arts. It wasn't done by humanity. And then he goes on in verse 27. Part of his purpose in creation, his purpose is that they would seek God. And if perhaps they might find him, though he is not far from each of us. And it says that they might grope for him and find him. Folks, half your friends are like this. Half the people around us are wondering, is there a God and how can I find him? How can I connect with him? You'll have some of your Christian friends sometimes leave and say, I feel like when I pray that my prayers don't get past the ceiling or they'll say, I I want to believe in God and I, I wish that God was here, but he just seems so far away. Well, God's not far away. He's omnipresent. It's you and I that are far away. It's when we're far away from God. Our heart's not right. Our attitude's not right. Or we're not trying to follow God or we're not surrendering to God. But the reality is, and he's reminding them he's not far away. And we got to remind people he's not far away. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. But Paul leans into culture again and he says to them, some of your poets know this. They're aware of that. Verse 27, I'll read it again. It says, now that we would seek God, if perhaps we might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him, in God, we live and move and exist. Even some of your own poets have said, for we're his children, we're his offspring. Verse 29, being then the offspring of God, we are not to think of the divine nature as like gold or silver or stone or images formed by the arts or by the thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, 
God is now declaring to all people everywhere should repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man in whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. He finally gets all the way to the resurrection. Amen? But he's going to get three different kinds of responses, which is exactly the same responses that I get, that we get in our culture when we start to have these gospel conversations. Look what happens. Verse 32. Now, when they heard about the resurrection from the dead, some began to sneer. They mocked him. But others said, hey, we shall hear you again concerning this. So they went out of their midst, and some joined them. Some men joined them and believed. Among them were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. You remember I talked about sowing and cultivating and harvesting. Well, as he was sowing the seed and cultivating, people wanted to, it said that second group wanted to hear more. They wanted to know more. And then a few people came to Christ. Now, when Peter preached, 3,000 people came to Christ. But when Paul preached, it says two and a few more. But it said many of them said, hey, we want to hear you again. Folks, that's exactly what I'm finding in the culture. Every time I engage people in conversations, let's talk about that. I want to talk more about that. I want to know more about that. I got questions. And, and it's a powerful thing. I was in a, a restaurant, Chewy's restaurant. Half of my stories start off, I was in a Mexican restaurant. I love Mexican food. And um, I was in Chewy's with a guy named Steve Noble, his radio show, uh, Truth Talk Live, and it's kind of like a Christian Russ Linball. He talks about theology Thursdays, free for all Fridays. Just a really interesting guy. So we go in Chewy's Mexican on a Monday afternoon, and our waiter comes up. His guy's name tag on it says Laith, L-A-I-T-H. I said, Laith, is that a Scottish name or an Irish name? He goes, actually, it's Arabic. I said, really? I said, where are you from? He said, well, I grew up here in the United States, but my mom's a Catholic from the United States. My dad's from the Middle East, and he's Muslim. And so Steve interjects, so what do you believe? He goes, I don't believe either one. I'm, I respect them, but I don't believe either one. I said, well, let me show you something. I'm curious what you think about this. And I gave him a little booklet, and I said, it asked the four, those four questions. And I asked him, creation, fall, rescue, restaurant, tell, tell us what you think about it. He kind of looked at it like ho-hum. He walks off, and he comes back a few minutes later, leans over and said, hey, can I ask you all some questions about Satan and angels? Well, sure. So we answer his questions. He walks off. A few minutes later, he comes back, pulls up a chair. It's 10 minutes after one and sits down at our table, puts his hands on the table, said, hey, can I just have a spiritual conversation with y'all? Well, sure. But not only does Laith join us, Aubrey, who's working her tables around us, she's an NC State student. She sits down. Can I join you? Sure. A guy named Will, he's cleaned the tables around us twice now and nobody else has sat down. He never says a word. He's just listening. Guy comes around the corner, and she's motioning for him. His name is Bo, and she said, come here and sit down. Because what are y'all doing? We're having a spiritual conversation. Sit right here. That's our brother. So now we got four 20, 21-year-olds for the next 45 roughly minutes, almost till 2 o'clock. And we talked about grace and mercy. We talked about our testimonies. We talked the difference between cultural Christianity and biblical Christianity. Man, these kids were engaged. They're all 20, 21-year-olds. And they wanted to talk. I mean, they just kind of sat down on the job. They didn't have anybody else coming to their table, but it worked out. And so we answered a lot of questions. And I said, hey, if you don't mind me having your email, I'll send the app to you. And, and sure. So I sent them all the email. So we go back a month later, kind of to follow up. And I asked the hostess, I said, any of them here? Nope, the only one here today is Bo. I said, well, put me in this section. So put me in this section. So he comes around, it's Steve and I again. And he sees me and he starts grinning. I said, you remember us? Oh, I remember you really well. We had an incredible conversation in that corner over there about a month ago. 
I said, well, I hope you don't mind. We asked to be put in your section. He said, oh, no, I'll be right back. I'm looking forward to this. We ended up talking to him for 45 minutes. And see, here's the thing. When Paul gives that example, you know, some mocked him and said, hey, we don't hear that again. I get that sometimes. But if you're friendly and you're nice and you're not offending people and you're not telling them how bad they are, the gospel does that. You and I don't save anybody. You and I don't change their heart. God does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we're the messenger. We're the mouthpiece. It says in 2 Timothy, the Lord's bondservant, chapter 2, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all and able to teach, which also has the attitude of teachable. And then it goes on, it says, with gentleness or meekness, correcting or confronting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, they may come to their senses, that's metanoia, it's the word for repentance, but it means a right way of thinking, and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. That's the attitude and the approach that we got to take. Well, anyway, we had this great conversation with him. Hit, click, click it a couple of times here, Chloe. Um, I, I, I'll let you rest there. Hit it again, if you will. Those four questions. That's part of the story. I was at a Duke Carolina football game one time, and long story short, I was sitting beside a lady whose background was Hindu. Her name was Anna Rockna. After a long, interesting conversation, I showed her these questions, and I said, do Hindus have these questions? She said, sir, every culture has these questions. Every culture has questions. Hit it again, if you will, Chloe. Thank you. Go it again. Because God set eternity in the heart of every human being. Blaise Pascal was a French mathematician and theologian back in the 1600s, and uh, he wrote a book called Pensies, means thoughts. And he said, in the heart of every human being is a God-shaped vacuum that can only adequately and accurately be filled by Jesus Christ. So everybody's trying to figure God out. Everybody's trying to seek after God. We do it in our own way, but we ultimately are. So just keep that in mind. Hit it again, if you will, Chloe. Everybody needs to hear the whole story of the gospel. Hit it again, if you will. Um, the gospel answers all the life's deepest questions. Hit it again, if you will. Uh, hit it one more time. All right, I'm to leave that up. Now, I want to begin to land this plane and wrap this up, but I want to give you an example that matches with Acts 17 and explains the three-story method. I was in Nashville, Tennessee. I was with a group of nine people from the Baptist State Convention uh, in downtown Nashville is where the Southern Baptist Convention is in Lifeway. We call it the Baptist Vatican. <laughs> it's really not, but it's kind of like their headquarters. And there's a little Holiday Inn Express like right beside it. So nine of us go and stay at this Holiday Inn Express. And you talk about an international group. Three white guys like me, Eddie Thompson and Neil Eller and me. And then everybody else is interesting. We've got a Korean, uh, uh, Dominican Republic, uh, two Filipinos, African-American, and we've got one other country, one other language. I can't remember where it is. Um, but we're a very diverse group. Well, guess where we all wanted to go eat supper? Mexican. No kidding. It was fun. So we get on the bus, and I sit up front. No, no kidding. I want to talk to the bus driver. Eddie Thompson sits up front with me, and the bus driver's name's Thurman. So Thurman, he's a sharp guy, about 40 years old. We get into a conversation. I said, so Thurman, are you, a, are you from Nashville? Yep, I'm a native. I said, well, Thurman, are you a Titans fan? Man, did I hit the right button. Oh, yes, I'm a Titans fan. I never miss a home game. We're talking about the Titans. We're having a good, chummy conversation. I said, Thurman, have you ever heard of Thurman Munson? He said, oh, yeah, the catcher for the Yankees that died in a plane crash back in the 70s. He said, it's always guys your age that ask me that question. So we're having a really chummy conversation. Then I ask him my favorite question. So, Thurman, do you have any particular spiritual beliefs. 
When I said that, you would have thought the lights went out in Georgia. I am not kidding. This guy becomes ominous. He becomes almost demonic sounding and really mad. He goes into complete fight mode. All I asked him was, do you have any particular spiritual beliefs? And he goes, I'm a Wiccan. Where in the world did that come from? Scared us all to death. And everybody on the bus is thinking, Marty has made the bus driver really mad. And Marty's thinking, Marty's made the bus driver really mad. But I just interviewed him. Don't ever overreact to anybody or anything. Just stay calm. Keep on talking. Ask questions. It's kind of like driving a car. You can't drive a parked car. But if the car is rolling, you can drive it. Amen? So as long as you're asking questions and people are talking, you can guide the conversation where you want to. But be genuine and be careful. So I said, well, that's interesting, Thurman. Tell me about that. What are some of your beliefs as a Wiccan? I believe in gods and goddesses. And he went on a rant about that. And then I said, well, Thurman, have you ever read the Bible? I know all about the Bible. I know about Constantine and the 66 canonical text. And Constantine helped put the Bible together. True. And Constantine was the first pope. Not true. Didn't argue. Let him go. And um, then he started naming everything wrong with the church. And I mean like a rehearsed speech, like machine gun. One, two, three, four, and five. And he named about five things wrong with the church. And I kind of interjected. Yeah, Christians don't always act like we're supposed to. Boom, 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 boom. Didn't slow him down. Didn't stop him. Didn't do anything. Hey, listen. I got stuff in my pockets. I got stuff to give him. I got Bible studies. I'm loaded. A good soldier does two things. You prepare for battle. Make sure you got plenty of ammo. Amen? Well, I do that in witnessing. I didn't give him anything. He's invested in his thing. Only God's going to change his heart. And all I was doing was interviewing him and letting him talk. I really didn't even know what I was doing. The Holy Spirit knew what I was doing. So I get off the bus. I've not debated him. I've not argued with him. I didn't even give him any resistance. So we go eat Mexican. We get back on the bus and Thurman has turned back into Mr. Howdy Doody. And he says to me, I like the way you talk to me. He repeated it. He goes, I like the way you talk to me. I said, what do you mean by that, Thurman? He goes, are you a preacher? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am, but I'm also a church consultant. I try to help churches do the things you tell us that we don't do very well. He said, well, the next time you're in a church, you tell them to talk to people like you talk to me. What he meant was I was respectful. I didn't agree with him, but I was respectful. And I said, what do you mean by that, Thurman? He said, well, most of the time when I run into a Christian, especially a preacher, and I tell him I'm Wiccan, which is witchcraft, he said, they tell me I'm wrong and I'm going to hell. He said, but you didn't do that. Why didn't you do that? I said, well, Thurman, one of the things that I've discovered is I can't change your heart. Only God can change your heart if he wants to and if you're willing to let him. He goes, you might be right about that. I'm thinking, dude, I know I'm right about that. <laughs> so then he says to me, so what's your story? So I told him my story of how I started going to church. I was 13. I felt like an elephant was sitting on me. Went and talked to a pastor. He explained the gospel to me, asked me to pray, and then told me to go home and pray my own prayer. And surrender, and when I did, I felt like I floated off the bed, but I didn't. I was just laying flat, had this warm, confident feeling of God's Spirit coming in my life. Happened two days before eighth grade. I've really never gotten over it. Hadn't been perfect, but I've never gotten away from the fact that Christ came into my heart and changed my life. And he said, wow, that's good. So what do you believe? Because I told him my story, and then he just straight up asked me, what do you believe? So I pulled out one of my favorite little Bible studies called Steps to Peace with God by Billy Graham. I don't walk around handing these out necessarily, but... I gave him one, and I just gave it to him and opened it up. And he starts going through it. I mean, I'm explaining it to him. There's no argument. There's no debate. And, and by the way, just to give you an illustration of what's going on here, it's called the bridge. And it shows how if that's the Bible representing God, we try to reach God through being good, religious, 
going to church, having good philosophy, how all those things fall short, shows how the cross is the bridge from God to man. So we get to the cross, which is the gospel part of it, of Jesus dying for our sins and paying for our sins through his... And he looks at me and he goes, I really like the way you're doing this. I about cracked up. If I'd had false teeth, they'd fell out. I mean, he got mad when I asked him, you have any spiritual beliefs? And now I'm all the way to the crucifixion and the resurrection. And he's like, I like the way you're doing this. I was amazed. Eddie Thompson stayed with me. We're already back to the hotel. Everybody got off. But Eddie's praying with me, praying for me. And it says how to pray. You know, just basically how to pray. And I said to him, I said, now, Thurman, when you get to that place in your life, when you're ready to ask Christ into your heart, this is an example of how to pray. There's nothing magical about it. It's just an example. He snickered a little. He didn't fully bust out. He just kind of snickered like, yeah, maybe. And he said, well, I really enjoyed this. I really learned a lot today. And I said, well, I have too. This has been fascinating. I said, Thurman, I got a challenge for you. He goes, what's that? I said, do you have a Bible? He goes, mm, I might have a Bible. I kind of already know he has a Bible because he kind of already told me that. I said, well, put your Bible in the reading room and ask God, the God of creation, if he's really real to reveal himself to you. I said, and take your Bible, and it only takes five minutes to read a chapter in the Bible. And just start in one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, read straight through the New Testament. That'll tell you what Christianity is supposed to be about and how Christians are supposed to act when you explain very well how we don't act like we're supposed to. Read the Bible, and it'll tell you what we're supposed to do. He, he laughed about that. And then um, I said, but just ask God, the God of creation, if he's real, to reveal himself to you. That's it. He said, that's a good challenge. I can do that. I said, well, good. Well, this is great. I know you got to go, but it's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot today. Me too. One more thing before I go. Can I pray for you? Oh, no. I'm good. <laughs> he wasn't going to let me pray for him. But right out of Acts 17, Paul's having these conversations with all these different people. He gets invited to come and tell what it is he really believes. Same thing happened with Thurman. I'm having a conversation. So what's your story? I told him my story. What do you believe? I got to share the gospel with him. It started off not real good, but it ended really good. The three-story method, listen to people's story. Don't debate, don't argue. Tell them what God's done in your life. It doesn't have to be your testimony of salvation. It could be an answered prayer or a miracle that God's done in your life. He's doing them all the time. And then tell them his story. Tell them the gospel. Some of the tools that we've, we've put out for you is the story, the, the, the steps to peace with God, the John 3.16 cards that I have, and then also the three circles life conversation guide. It's on your outline if you see it. The frame for that is the creation, the fall of man, the rescue, the restoration of the story. And this is just a great app on your phone. It's also, again, I'm not going into great details now, but this is so helpful. I got story after story. I'll hang around. We can talk some more. But I love to talk about these things. But don't be afraid to engage people in conversation. Amen? And start off with, hey, how you doing? What's your name? Where are you from? And just for fun, if they got on a Duke shirt, I'll say, man, royal blue is my favorite color, but I don't pull for the devil. <laughs> and if they got on NC State, I'll say, hey, were you on a blue shirt? You know, just have fun. You know, engage people in a fun way, but be sincere, be genuine. And don't be afraid because God's at work and he wants to work in you and through you to change the hearts and lives and eternities of other people. Amen? So keep that in mind. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for these wonderful people here that are serving, and they're serving in the military in different capacities. Father, thank you for their service. Thank you for how you bring them in and send them out. Father, I pray for every one of us. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Anoint us for your service. Use us for your glory. Father, give us a winsomeness and give us a boldness to engage people in conversations, gospel conversations. And tell them the, the truth of your love and your hope for them. 
Father, also help us not be afraid to tell the truth in love, but help us to be good about it and, and kind about it and be led by your spirit. And Father, if there's anybody here today or the hearing of my voice that has never surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior, may today be that day of surrender, that day of salvation that we pray and ask for forgiveness of our sins and invite you into our heart to be our Lord and our Savior and fill us with your spirit that we'd be the person that you want us to be. So, Father, I pray that would be true for anyone listening today. Father, but many of us are believers and know who you are. And I pray, Father, you help us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus as Savior and Lord. And that you would reignite in our heart a desire to know you and to make you known. And, Father, I pray that uh, if we've got a friend or a relative or an associate at work or school or in some civic event or um, a neighbor, a friend, or relative, associate, or neighbor... Lord, that you would help us to pray for that person. Invite them to church. Bring them with us. Share our testimony of what you've done in our life with them. Father, help us to have those opportunities and not miss the divine appointments that you give us every day to engage people, whether it's just to pray for them or to talk with them or to listen to them or to share the gospel with them. Father, use us for your kingdom and your glory. Father, we commit this time to you, this time of response, Lord, that we would respond in obedience to you, that we would be about your business that we might honor you, that we might exalt Jesus, that we might be pleasing to you. We thank you, Lord, for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be a part of what God is doing here at Point, connect with us at www.pointchurch.live. Thank you.